Hello, everybody. This is Sarah Benincasa. Welcome back to Well, This Isn't Normal, the show that explores how to deal with all of this. I am here with my cat, Polly. She is purring up a storm. Let's see if you can hear her. I don't know if the mic's picking that up. I think it is. <laughs> a little ASMR for you. Um, anyway, you may see, hear her purring throughout the show as a background. Uh, she's probably going to jump off at some point. You know, it's a real lo-fi experience. Right now she's um, sitting on my lap. We've got a couple of candles burning. Um, I'm being careful to monitor her interaction or lack thereof with them. And I'm recording here in my home in New York City. So as longtime listeners of this podcast know, I'm not in a soundproof studio. So you may hear the sounds of the city at night or you may not. Uh, it is a joy to be back. I some of you know that this podcast is entirely supported by Patreon, patreon.com slash Sarah Benincasa. If you are a subscriber subscriber to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Sarah Benincasa, I thank you. A current or past subscriber, you really help a lot to pay for different things. I've got a new microphone, for example, and, and you all paid for that, and I thank you for that. Um... If you subscribe to the Patreon, you will receive four newsletters per month in your inbox. They are public and available to the public for free, but you will get them delivered to your inbox. They live at patreon.com slash Casa, so anybody can mosey on over there and read them, but you get them in your inbox. But as a patron, what you get is every month, four exclusive audio letters, kind of like a private podcast, just from me to you, to our little Patreon community. I support other artists on Patreon, and uh, I would be honored if you would support me there. Again, it really does make a difference. Um, and that leads me to explain why the podcast has not been produced for the past few months. Usually I like to release it twice a month. But I have a full-time job. I wrote a book. Uh, I've written a few books, but one was called Real Artists Have Day Jobs. And I am definitely a real artist with a day job. And at said day job, usually there are two people doing my job. And for the past six months, there was one person doing two people's jobs. And that was me. And I had a lot of help from other folks on my team. Um, I love where I work. I work at a nonprofit. And I enjoy it very much. I've been there for years now. In addition to the acting and weird artsy stuff and you know occasional cool things like writing for mystery science theater 3000 and other stuff that I get to do but I, I've had that that job but you know something kind of had to give and I was like well I want to keep up with these four newsletters a month I want to keep up with the four audio private letters a month um, the podcast has to take a rest so we've been on a bit of a break for a few months and now I'm back so Really happy to be here. We have been doing this podcast, you and I. It's a one-man, one-woman operation, really. Sometimes I'll have an editor come in, but generally it's just, it's just me. It's a real DIY kind of thing. So I've been doing this since March 2020. I had a team working on it back then, and for a long time now it's just been me. And I used to do it once a month, or excuse me, <laughs> once a day. So five episodes per week when, when pandemic started and... Um, 
quarantine first started. And then it was once a month and then it, excuse me, once a week. And then it was um, like a couple times a month. So it's been a couple times a month for a while. So welcome to new listeners. I'm so happy to have you here and welcome back to old listeners. Uh, We will do some interviews. We will do some breath work. We will do some creative exercises all the different things that that we've done with this podcast in the past, all centered around the idea of dealing with life in general through stress relief and different ways that we can release stress and manage issues that come up in our day-to-day lives. And we've talked about everything on this program from the experiences of various young black scientists working in the field and dealing with racism as they uh, work in the fields of herpetology, as they study uh, lizards, as they study birds, as they study all manner of things, to what it's been like for actors who had production suspended at different points during this time, to how people have figured out side hustles and how to manage their money, to how you at home can find time to do creative work when you're also stressed with finances, work, lack of work, raising kids, doing elder care, whatever it may be. So I strive to create an inclusive atmosphere on this podcast and to make it appealing and relevant to people who don't look like me, don't have the same lifestyle as me. Um, And sometimes I succeed and I'm sure sometimes I fail. But one thing that seems to be pretty popular is when we do some breath work together. And I often say, that only do this if it's available to you. So we are living at a time when many people have suffered from an illness that directly impacts their ability to breathe. I am incredibly grateful to those of you who show up and listen. I don't need you to breathe along with me for this to work. I don't need you to count along with me. I don't need you to do anything except chill out and enjoy your life. If it is available to you to breathe along with me here, that's great. For some of you, it helps to tap if if you are able with your toes or your fingers along to the sound of my voice as we count through the breaths. For some of you, uh, blinking can help or simply counting inside your mind. For some of you, it's enough to just listen. Maybe you need a voice in the background that's friendly, that's soothing. I am so happy when I hear that listening to the podcast helps you fall asleep because I just love, love being able to fall asleep to a comforting audiobook. I've been listening to a beautiful translation of the Bhagavad Gita, which is part, of course, of the Mahabharata, the, the lengthy epic um, that comes from uh, India the nation that we now call India, but is quite ancient and just marvelous and fascinating and beautiful. And and the Bhagavad Gita is just wonderful. And of course, these, these sacred scriptures that form sort of the basis of certain areas of belief in Hinduism and also deeply influence Buddhism are such a pleasure to listen to in translation. And and there are many beautiful translations out there. I've been listening to one that's specific to Audible um, and uh, really enjoying it. 
And so sometimes I fall asleep to it. Other times I listen to ASMR people or I just fall asleep to silence. But if I can provide a soothing voice that helps you fall asleep, that is wonderful. Let's get into some breath work right now. We're going to do the square breath. It's also called the box breath. Uh, those of you who are patrons will know that the most recent private audio letter uh, got into this this breath and, and we did this together. And I said on the private audio letter, I would probably use it in this podcast. And so that's what I'm going to do. So what happens is that you breathe in for four, you hold for four, you breathe out for four, and you hold for four. So you inhale and become full and you hold in that fullness. And then you exhale and you keep these counts evenly, you know, so you're not going, (laughs) you know, it's a one, two, three, four, so on and so forth. Um, But uh, you inhale for four, You achieve fullness and you hold in that fullness for four. You slowly exhale for four and you sit in that emptiness for four. And if you just do it once and and it makes you feel dizzy or weird, then please don't push yourself ever, ever, ever. Uh, You may find that doing a few cycles of the breath helps you and then you breathe normally, whatever is normal for you. And again, as I said earlier, You may simply want to count along or just listen to the sound of my voice. So let's start. And first, I'll do it. So in for four. And I'll, you know what, I'll tap. You hear that? Okay. So I will not count with my voice. I'll just do the tapping. And you'll just hear me practicing. And you can practice along with me. We'll just do one round here. Okay, ready? and release. Ooh, I'm scratching my neck now. I'm stretching. When I did the um the exhale for four, I really felt my shoulders drop, which was very, very nice. Uh, I have um I have some soreness in my upper back and, and neck, as many of us do. And so that's um Pardon me, that's really a pleasure when I can relax and let these shoulders drop a little bit. What a joy. My cat is now sitting on an ottoman, by the way, and just staring at me quite intently. Just so you have an update on what Polly the Demon Queen is doing. Okay, let's try again, and I'll, I'll do it again myself. I'll do the, the tapping again. I'm doing it again myself because I need to do it to release some tension. I've been, like, nervous and excited about starting the podcast again, so... Forgive me for, uh, or indulge me, if you will. So let's try again together. Ready? And release. So here are a few tips. You can put the tip of your tongue on the fleshy mound that is, um, Uh, right above and behind your two front teeth. You can (laughs) feel for it. That's a good place to keep your tongue, the tip of your tongue when you're doing this, if you wish. Um, And 
you want to try and get the breath into your belly, uh, which is to say to allow your diaphragm to expand so that you're not breathing up in your chest, shallow breaths as if you were um, running or fighting, but but you want those those slow slow breaths you can put your hand on your belly if if you want to you don't have to put your your hand um uh just on your heart if you want to if that's comforting or fold your hands or whatever works for you but um it's a slow inhale feel free to move your neck a little bit that works for you. <sighs> okay, so now instead of practicing with you, I'm going to count for you. You can picture this if it helps you. We all learn differently, right? So to some of you, it's quite simple. You're like, yep, yeah, got it, got it, got it, got it. For others, you'll have to say, you might be saying inside yourself something I said to somebody recently when they were giving me instructions. Please explain it to me a different way. And that's a little bit of a challenge, but it's not an insult or critique of the other person. It's just saying, oh, okay, I need a different way. I learn differently. Uh, For example, I have trouble. I can't follow a a map. That's hard for me. If you tell me directions, they disappear from my brain. I don't remember names of streets. I don't remember names of freeways. I can't picture a route from point a to point b that's not possible for me and it won't be no and i've accepted that no matter how hard i try it's not going to be there i have trouble holding strings of numbers in my head i have trouble with arithmetic basic arithmetic um uh, i i can't hold in my mind the concept of the non-concrete concept of numbers if you give me a pile of marbles and take, tell me to take five out of them, I can do that. But to envision it in my head is extremely difficult. I have something called prosopagnosia, prosopagnosia which is um, a difficulty recognizing and remembering human faces. And some people call it face blindness. And with that comes an array of other symptoms and issues, um, some of which are the ones I described. Uh, And I think I have a a learning disability with mathematics or a learning difference that was was never diagnosed. I was actually talking to my family about that recently. So all of that is to say that in an effort to make the podcast more inclusive, I'm going to try, of course, to describe instructions in different ways. So some of you are like, yeah, 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 Sarah, I get it. In for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. Others may appreciate the idea of picturing drawing a box, draw the line that constitutes the left side, draw the line across that constitutes the top, draw the line down that constitutes the right side, draw the line across that constitutes the bottom. Picture it as you will. Picture it as a square, whatever, whatever. All right, so we are going to go through four rounds of this breath work, and I am going to count it out for you. And then we will get into our topic, which is friendships and how they may or may not have changed. 
during the pandemic. But let's not put the cart before the horse. Let's get into a space where we can relax and we can listen and we can be open to information. I'll be sharing some stories that some of you have shared with me. And so first, let's let's do some breath work. Okay. Ready? Try and get all the breath out right now. You can make that sort of noise in the back of your throat if you want to. Try and get everything out like you're a tube of toothpaste. You're squeezing every last bit of breath out of yourself, but still you are alive because this is an exercise. And if you feel uncomfortable at any point, resume your normal breathing. All right, so let's get to a place of emptiness. And now, inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. One more. Inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. (sighs) Now breathe normally, whatever works for you, whatever that means to you. Good job. Mm. Water is also helpful. Water's a good thing. How much water are you drinking? (laughs) Try to drink a fuckload of it. A metric fuck ton, I think, is the appropriate amount that is recommended. Um, Once again, I want to thank all the patrons who are here. We will be doing this twice a month, every month. More if I feel like it or if I'm able Patreon.com slash Sarah Ben and Casa is the place. Another way that you can support this podcast is to go to matrushka.com, M-A-T-R-U-S-H-K-A, matrushka.com, and use offer code Sarah, S-A-R-A, for 20% off clothing handmade to your measurements or um, just off the rack sizing right here in the United States by a tiny group of women in Los Angeles, California. This is an independently owned and operated retail boutique. It's been around for about 20 years, I think. It's matrushka.com, M-A-T-R-U-S-H-K-A, Polly's back, matrushka.com, offer code S-A-R-A. 
at checkout will get you 20% off. All right. With that said, let's get into discussing the ways in which your friendships have changed during the pandemic. I have noticed that various friends of mine have complained to me extensively uh, about other friends that they've had. And I know that, you know, various friends have complained about me. Uh, but uh, so I'm, I'm not trying to say that uh, I am like the wisdom guru for friends or something. I'm certainly not, nor am I a, a perfect friend in any way. But but what inspired this episode was hearing different friends say, I just can't deal with this friend anymore. I can't do it anymore. Now, we all know that sometimes people for their own safety and sanity need to step away from family members, even to cut family members off, family members who've been abusive, who have threatened them, who have um, hurt them over the years, who have demanded too much, um, family members who um, have not been welcoming to people's partners because of homophobia, transphobia, racism, all sorts of different things, right? We know that. We've all heard stories like that. We certainly also know that that people get divorced. Some of us have gotten divorced. I mean, I haven't, but I've never been married. But some of you have gotten divorced. We know this. And we have rituals around the commencement of a marriage and the conclusion of a marriage. We have, of course, the engagement period. We have the actual wedding ceremony, the marriage itself. Um, and we have legal separation and we have divorce, the legal dissolution of, of a marriage. Now, when it comes to family, it's a little bit more complicated, but we have language for um, he disowned her. You know, this, this man disowned his children. He does not consider them his children anymore, or they are no longer entitled to any property. And I think it depends on state to state with laws with that. I disowned my father. He's no longer my father. I, I cut off my family. I saw someone who's a cartoonist drawing a, a comic strip, or, or excuse me, comics about how they had uh, cut off the partner's family. So we have words for that. We have, you know, obviously the marriage and divorce thing is more clear cut, but, but the idea of disowning a child, disinheriting someone, we have words for that when it comes to family. When it comes to friendships, it's different. What do we say? I had to dump my friend. I had to break up with my friend. We do say those things, but th those words are borrowed from romantic relationships. And when somebody says, I am grieving the loss of a friendship of 30 years, that is still a little bit revolutionary, a little bit unusual, a little bit surprising to talk about or to write about. I'm grieving the end of a friendship. And what are the rituals around that? You know, when we look at uh, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's brilliant work on death and dying, which is where we get those stages of grief from that, that people are quite familiar with. Dr. Kubler-Ross was looking at how the dying regarded their own impending death. She wasn't looking at how people regard the death of a loved one. Now, the work has been used quite beautifully for those of us who, who experience the loss of humans in our lives, who we love, which is everybody, 
everybody in the whole wide world has to go through that. And so much of that has happened. I think that we've lost a million Americans. There are people listening all over the world, right? And we've lost a million Americans to COVID-19. How many more people have we lost during this time period because of um, stress-related conditions that were exacerbated, underlying conditions that were exacerbated, can't be directly attributed to COVID-19, but uh, people who had uh, PTSD that was really activated during this time, people who have developed post-traumatic stress disorder and will die by suicide in the future, unfortunately, as a result of not getting the care that they need, right? Um, people who... who, who uh, n- need to be out and about in order to exercise properly who haven't been doing that and the the chain reaction that happens within their body, mind, and spirit that leads to various illness. I don't mean to imply that illness is a spiritual thing or something like that. I'm just saying like stress, the very thing this this podcast seeks to address and to help treat and heal and ameliorate whatever stress can lead to so many other things and 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 to death in so many other ways so we have we are going through we are living through this time of huge loss and it it must not be underestimated and in the coming years it must not be underestimated you know 9-11 kill a certain number of americans died by terrorist attack on 9-11 how many more died afterwards from the long-term effects, the inhalation of the air in New York on that day, the grief, the loss, the pain that arose for friends and family members of those who perished in, in that Pennsylvania field, in DC, in New York. Um, it's not just the it's not just the catastrophic events of of that day. It's what came after too. And I do think that this is somewhat analogous, although of course this is not an event that occurred on one day. The COVID-19 pandemic is different. But what comes out of this? You know, there's beauty and there is wonder and, and and recovery and healing, but there is also tragedy that is ongoing. And this does affect everyone who is alive today in many, many ways, even if they never contract COVID-19. Don't lose any family members to it. Um, so this is a time of great grief. And we have these rituals around grieving. loss of human life we have rituals around even you know therapy uh specifically for people who who are in marriage counseling who are in um mediation so that their divorce can go more smoothly right we we have these things and then um people who go to therapy to deal with sadness or relief around a divorce, simply learning how to live, Uh, people who get out of an abusive relationship and are able to go to therapy um, and and heal uh, by by learning new ways of being. These beautiful, we have 
beautiful 12-step organizations, right? 12-step healing through Alcoholics Anonymous, Codependence Anonymous, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, Sex Addicts Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, Debtors Anonymous, Under Earners Anonymous, um, Al-Anon for... Um, anyone who has been negatively affected by someone else's drinking. I mean, there's the 12-step the world, there's refuge recovery, which is Buddhist-influenced substance abuse recovery. So many other examples, ways in which we, we can deal with these things. But what, what do we do? How do we mourn the end of friendships? How do we do that? Of course, when we're in any kind of talk therapy, and I encourage you to check it out, whether it's through um, BetterHelp, Talkspace, your local church or um, mosque or synagogue or temple or what have you, um, your local atheists organization, uh, they may have... Um, References to uh, uh, therapists who who are happy to work with skeptics and atheists and to, to not bring anything uh, mildly spiritual into it, uh, depending on your understanding of the world, like through your local community college, your local university training center, social work organization, whatever, right? I really encourage you to seek therapy. And of course, of course, you and your own personal Yoda... Everybody deserves their own personal Yoda. I have so much Yoda paraphernalia in this house right now. Oh, my God. Um, in the course of talking to, to these providers, you will undoubtedly be able to talk about losing a friend and what that means to you. But we don't have a bigger cultural ritual around that, at least in the, the sort of overculture of the United States. Um, and so... I wanted to talk about that and also to talk about how I've, I've seen people shed friendships. I have shed friendships during the, um, during the pandemic. Somebody said to me that their friend said, you know, you can demote, some, demote somebody in without telling them. You don't have to tell them. And I thought, yeah, that's absolutely true. You, um, you can realize somebody is not for you anymore because they have shown themselves to be untrustworthy, obnoxious. Um, in a way that you can't put up with anymore. Um, that they are unwell and, and unstable and not getting the help that they need, even when it's available to them. And uh, to borrow a recovery phrase, you didn't break them and you can't fix them. And so you do not have to bleed to heal somebody else's wound. Absolutely not. You have to protect yourself first. And you don't owe them an explanation you don't owe them details. You simply do not. It can be very upsetting to be cut off. Um, but also somebody else can just fade away from you. you know, I've been on the receiving end of, of friendships, of friendship dumpings, I guess. Um, well, I wouldn't call it that, but certainly, uh, you know, at one point I had a friend who really backed off in a major way that was very clear. And I, I had to mourn that. Um, and another friend who just stopped talking to me out of nowhere and then resumed a few months later uh, as if nothing had happened, which was very odd. And so that friendship changed. And in both of those cases, um, in one, you know, repair and reconciliation has happened through both of us just talking to each other and getting real about things and compassionately understanding where the other was coming from. And then in the other friendship, it's just it's superficial and it's an occasional hello, and that's okay. More out of sort of, from my end, like respect for what we shared in the past. 
and also an understanding on my part, which I don't feel the need to communicate to the other party, that like, it's okay, I may not be for you anymore. Maybe um, I wasn't for you for a while. And maybe you weren't for me for a while. And, and you did me a favor, even though it was deeply painful, by ghosting me for a bit. Because it forced me to grapple with the fact that we weren't on the same page and hadn't been for a long time. Uh, I have friendships that have gotten closer, certainly, during this pandemic time. I've made new friends in surprising circumstances sometimes. I've made new friends because um, uh, of a couple friends who died. One in particular. that I, I met people who were grieving and they happened to be fucking rad. <laughs> so I made friends, you know, with... Uh, one person in particular, their friends and family are just almost uniformly, as far as I can tell, fucking great people, like just absolutely dope. So it, it, it the gift in the loss was getting to connect with these incredible individuals. I have found that I do not have the time anymore to try and coach somebody, to try and break down for them why uh, other individuals consistently find them distasteful, annoying, don't, don't want to deal with them. Like, you know, uh, I got to figure, I got to focus on my own shit. I got to keep my eyes on my own paper. I have to, again, to, to borrow another recovery phrase, keep my own side of the street clean. I have to look at how am I treating people? How am I as a coworker? How am I as a sibling? How am I as a child? How am I as a, you know, pet owner? How am I as a neighbor? I got to look at that shit. And sometimes we figure out that there are friendships we chose when we were at a less healed or less evolved point in our lives. And eventually, we age out of needing them. You can look at it as maturing out of them, evolving out of them, however you want to look at it. You can get your ego involved or not. Things change, interests change, paths diverge, and that's all right. In individual circumstances, you may well be angry at somebody, or you may just be like, oh, I don't really relate to them anymore. And I have experienced that, absolutely. And if, in, in my experience, if it warrants a conversation, I will open up that conversation. But if it doesn't, from my end, warrant a conversation, if I don't feel like talking about it, getting into it, rehashing it, having it out, whatever, I'm not going to get into it. I just, I no longer have the energy or the time. And if somebody's just fucking stupid, <laughs> and I do not mean in terms of IQ, because IQ is a false measure, as we have known for a long ass time, a false measure of intelligence. That's not what I mean. If somebody is willfully ignorant, that's what I really mean. I, whatever. I can't fix stupid. Bye bye I can't educate you. I can't tell you that you come off bonkers. I come off bonkers to some people and they don't fuck with me and that's okay. They don't want to hang out with me. That's great. That is great. So I will pay that kindness forward. And just be like, okay, cool. That person has gone to banana town and I don't want to deal with it. And I don't fucking have to because it's not my business. 
uh, you know, hope they have a good life or not. Like, I don't know, whatever, go do your thing. And it can sound kind of cold, but you, we have to protect ourselves. We have to take care of ourselves. At the same time, I am empathetic to those who feel sad and scared when a formerly warm friend suddenly goes cold because I've had that experience, right? In my case, I was able to come to understand the reasons that that may have happened and to use it as an opportunity to work on myself without being attached to any kind of outcome, without thinking I would ever get to be friends with that person again, you know? But that's my deal. This is not the deal for everybody. What I can say is that if somebody is not reaching out to you, not talking to you, not contacting you, whether they're just dropping an occasional social media like or simply not even dealing with you at all, like I wouldn't push it. That They don't owe you an explanation. They really don't. Um, whatever their deal is is whatever their deal is. And also, why would you want to make the effort if they don't? care enough to be direct with you then they don't care that much about you and you can accept that you can deal with it it sucks it might suck it might be really hurtful but we have a limited amount of time on this planet so why on earth would we waste it trying to make nice with people who don't want to make nice with us so that's my piece, but I, I wanted to throw this out there to the wider world, so I put it out on Twitter. Um, I'm at Sarah J. Benincasa on Twitter and on Instagram. I put it out in both those places and asked people to send me stories about how the pandemic has changed their friendships. Positive, negative, whatever. So I thought that I would share some of those with you because they're I find them to be quite interesting. So the first one comes from um, someone who I will call Miriam. And I'll just read this to you. Look, if anything should be increasingly clear to us. Let me, I'll start that again. Am I editing it out? No, I just didn't like the way I pronounced increasingly. Look, if anything should be increasingly clear to us, it's that most of the infrastructure of our lives prior to the pandemic was bullshit. In a weird way, the pandemic delivered exactly what the real world did in the early 90s. It's what happens when you stop being polite and start being real. And the reality is that most Americans aren't authentic and neither were most of our relationships. Since most of the interactions in our relationships, romantic and otherwise, were single serving, there just wasn't enough FaceTime, not to be confused with capital F, capital T FaceTime, to really know who people were in the before times. Mostly because they themselves didn't know. I think for a lot of people, there was a core group of friends who tried to make it through the pandemic together. But when you only interact with those people, the things you used to be able to excuse become impossible to let go of. That was certainly the case for me. Uh, Miriam is, is speaking to something. I'm going to just pull my, pull my uh, laptop up here. Um, Miriam is speaking to something that came across quite often in reading these responses from people it's the shit that they used to be able to excuse or not simply didn't notice become impossible to ignore because when your social group got whittled down maybe you were in a pod with people or maybe you were just hanging with them online you start to notice stuff right and some people started to get really kooky and offensive and fucked up and you realized you didn't share values with these people okay back to miriam 
Outside of my family, I had one very good friend I was seeing consistently in 2020. After a few months of the pandemic, she called me to tell me her roommate was an actual terrible monster. This was probably a red flag, but let's pretend like it wasn't. Let's pretend like she was, in fact, the victim here. Since I had not been seeing anyone else socially, it was so great to have a friend and someone to do things with. She hated her living situation and had somehow managed to be at my place 24-7. This was probably another red flag, but hey, who needs a simple red flag? Not me. So the summer of 2020, she decided to move in with a different friend, renting some space from them. By the winter of 2020 through 2021, we were spending a lot of time together when we went back into lockdown. And once again, I didn't see her or anyone for a month or so. This was an interesting thing, I'll just say as an aside, about the rhythm of our time during the pandemic, which of course is ongoing, but the like lockdowns and then the not lockdowns, the times when you could go to restaurants and when you couldn't, and it was all so dependent on where you lived in this country. Okay, back to Miriam. She complained constantly what it was like to be all alone, but also she hated, hated, hated her new living situation once again. This is a red flag that I did notice. Okay, so Miriam was starting to notice a pattern here. She also let it slip that during the winter lockdown, she'd started fucking some guy, which is fine, except that until that moment, she'd emphasized how she was alone and had no social life except when she was with me. It just seemed like stories were suddenly shifting. It was also as if the normal lies she would typically be able to avoid were just kind of piling up since we were spending so much time together. Hmm. Okay. So it sounds like this woman wasn't um, able to keep her stories straight. By the spring, I'd noticed enough things that I simply couldn't make excuses for her anymore. Okay. So by this point, it sounds like the pandemic had been going on for a year. So this was like a 12-month phase where she started to notice shady things up with this friend. Her birthday was in early summer, and even though most people were just starting to get vaccinated, she insisted on throwing a huge outdoor party, even inviting our mutual friend and her infant daughter. I showed up halfway through the party. Our friend and the tiny baby girl had to go home, so I was there with a bunch of people I didn't know. Weirdly, the birthday friend was barely present, kept disappearing into corners and behind closed doors. Mind you, this is a big outdoor party. I'm very social and good at talking to people, but many people weren't vaccinated yet. I wanted to be there to show support for her and be helpful at the party, and I was vaccinated, but I did feel a bit uneasy even though regulations in our town had been relaxed and we weren't breaking any rules. Now, I should let you know a key point, which is that one reason I enjoyed spending time with this person is that we both didn't drink or use hard drugs. She was arrested for intoxication-related issues a few years back and claimed to be clean of any substances except weed, which is legal in our state, ever since. Suddenly, out of the blue, she popped up at her own birthday, making the rounds and chatting with people. Eventually, she found me and whispered, my coworker got me an eight ball for my birthday. Come with me. This was nuts to me. Not for any moral reason. I am not anti-drugs or anti-partying. It's just that I know how my body and mind work, and so did this friend. Cocaine was the thing that got me to drink and then do more coke and then drink back in my partying days, and it fucking ripped my life apart. I'd do this all night and then wake up around noon the next day inside a seedy after-hours club or some stranger's house after I went through God knows what experience I might not even remember. Again, I have to emphasize, this was a good friend of mine. She knew all this. Imagine if I knew that one of my best friends had celiac disease and that gluten would make her throw up and shit herself for hours, and I marched up to her and invited her to an Olive Garden endless bread bowl. Imagine that times 1,000. Ah, drama. 
I look her dead in her eyes and I say, why would I want to do coke with you? I only do coke when I'm drinking. I held my stare for a second and could finally see that she was wasted. It was a shock. I remember doing a beautiful mind math, finally accepting that it was obvious she'd been partying for a while. She started her job shortly before the pandemic and didn't know any of those people before that time. I'm speaking from experience when I say that coworkers don't just buy you Coke for your birthday. They would have to know you liked Coke because you did it together. So that meant that she was doing Coke with these people more than once. I spent the next hour sitting alone by a fire pit considering everything I'd noticed in the pandemic, like I was trying to solve a puzzle, but there was no puzzle. I knew my friendship with this person was over. It's weird to think about because I realized it at that party before I even left. It took me weeks to tell anyone what happened. When I look back on it, I didn't want it to be true, mostly to spare my ego for not having done the math sooner, but mostly because this was not a bad person. However, the pandemic takes no prisoners. For those of us who have thus far survived it, wanting to be a better version of ourselves, we are faced with the harsh, re harsh reality of actually having to look at the people we spend our time with. And because we've been spending so much fucking time with them, it's impossible not to see what's there. If I've learned anything from this, it's that I don't need to examine my relationships under a microscope if I simply allow things to unfold. On a long enough timeline, people can't help but show you who they are. I just have to look and listen when they do. However, when I am overloaded by the pleasures of going nonstop, I often don't bother because what I think is a good and solid friend is often someone who is a single serving friend. The pandemic has afforded me the ability to see this in all its shapes and forms. Now I just need to remember it moving forward. We all do. And that's a great note to end that letter on because it is so easy to just go, okay, everything's fine now. Back to old ways. But then we end up wasting our time again. It might take longer for us to realize somebody is not for us, but we figure it out and it doesn't feel great. So thank you, Miriam, for writing. And I, I really appreciate this. I think it deals with a lot. And it's really interesting. And by the way, if you're listening and you have comments, questions, concerns, etc., uh, you can message me through Patreon if you are a patron. So patreon.com slash Sarah Benincasa, you can message me there or at Sarah at Sarah But really, be a patron. It's great. Okay, now here's a, a more upbeat story. Kaya wrote, my BFF of almost 30 years has been trying to get pregnant during the pandemic and is going through IVF. They both have to be super COVID careful because of IVF rules and their own anxiety. I have pretty much been their only social contact for about a year now. Since they are so isolated, I've felt a lot of responsibility for keeping them socially engaged. I'm very much a visiting rock star when I go to their house. We have a weekly family dinner and they cook for me and spoil me and I present the worldly news. Sometimes I have to cancel if I've been less COVID cautious than I know they would like. I've always been the more introverted one, but now I'm the social butterfly to them with my fascinating single life of occasionally leaving my apartment and meeting new people. That's really cute. I love that. Now here's one from Tamara. This is also about a friend breakup. I cut off all contact with my best friend of six years last summer after the pandemic made it clear she thought of herself as the main character. It was as if the pandemic happened to her more than to anyone else. Oh man, yeah, I've seen this with people. 
Maybe it's because I wasn't seeing any other people due to quarantine and had so little else going on, but I started noticing her habit of issuing backhanded compliments or praise with just a hint of condescension, or the way she would say a few nice things about someone so I knew she was about to say something brutal and cutting, as though she had earned the ability to be mean by being kind first. Oh man, I had a friend like this for a while, and I realized, like, everybody else unfriends them or leaves the friendship because they just talk endless shit and complain all the time so not only is it mean because eventually of course they do it about you but it's also annoying <laughs> oh god when when somebody can't take responsibility for their own actions ever it's really tough Tamara continues, I realized the last six years had been exactly like this, and I hadn't been paying attention because I had various substance and mental health issues and severe social anxiety that was mitigated by always having someone to go everywhere with. I tried to set a boundary super gently around negativity and what I could handle at the time, and she went off. Wow. So I blocked her number and never spoke to her again. I honestly felt immediately immediate relief. I did not miss her. But without the pandemic to teach me, I'd still have this emotional vampire who needed me to feel her emotions more than my own and who didn't even like me very much, just didn't want to have to compete with me. So you live and learn. That's amazing. Have you ever had a friend who, who you realized, oh, you two didn't even really like each other that much. You were just keeping time together. Fascinating. Louisa writes something really sweet. Hi, Sarah. I actually started doing something I'd always wanted to do. I had always wanted to do a series of dinners where I brought together women from different parts of my life that wouldn't have met otherwise. I was able to get that to work on Zoom. I got my best friend from elementary school and one of my favorite people from my life today and introduced them on Zoom. That's so fun. Okay, so she's continued to do that. I love that. Okay, Emma writes... Pre-panda, I had a close-knit group of four friends, an all-female troop, if you will, of cis, straight, white, 30s to 40s-something British women. Between us, we've been friends for maybe 20 years and have done everything together. Holidays, the one wedding, and much more frequently got shit-faced consuming far too much red wine. The only thing we did differently is that I had my childbearing shot at the age of 20, so now I have a wonderful, fully grown human being, whereas my friends all seem to go on some sort of panic-buying spree and produce various children in the last five years. I think this already caused a shift in the relationship as it was not so much fun for me having survived the trauma of raising a human to listen to everyone else vent about how hard children suddenly were, all fueled by more red wine. Okay, I love Emma. Emma is fucking hilarious and I'm very glad she wrote in. These are fake names. Hopefully these folks will recognize themselves though when, um, when they listen. The Rona hit us as a group the hardest because... Because our shared hobby was no longer shared. Ah, the shared hobby being like the partying and the red wine and the good times, right? And isn't that, isn't that true, everybody? Like when alcohol is removed, you do lose some friends. I had the experience. Um, that one friend who, who stopped talking to me for a few months suddenly, it was when I told her that uh, I told her that I had quit drinking and that I was so grateful to have her in my life and that I loved her and I knew I could share this with her. And then she didn't talk to me for four months. It was wild. And then just acted like nothing happened. Uh, and I was like, okay, like I am better off without this person being close. That's the person who now we have like occasional, hi, how are you? But it's just like nothing deep is there. And that's okay. I think it was always hard for that person to go deep. And, you know, you have to take into account the fact that maybe it's hard for somebody else when you stop doing a substance. Um, 
it makes people look at themselves. It, it also can give them bad memories of experiences they've had. Um, and I'm sure I was a pain in the fucking ass sometimes. Maybe she was just really done dealing with my bullshit, you know? All right, back to Emma. Um, we became obviously physically disconnected and then more so mentally and emotionally. I'll be open with you and say my connection got frazzled because I struggled to reconcile listening to some very secure women complain about how hard everything was for them. These were women in secure, safe environments, and all I could see was the people outside that weren't. We didn't have raging arguments, and I kept my acrid rage to myself, but just found myself distancing. The whole dynamic wasn't helped when one of our group fully collapsed into her drinking problem, becoming impossible to be around. Eventually, guarding my mental health uh, and choosing actual distance... um, Let's see. Sorry, I'm, I'm skipping all over. Ah, she says, I, I tried to be the appeaser and found it exhausting. It helped me find space to reconcile my rage. It was hard for everyone, me included, and everyone had a different way of seeing how the pandemic was hard. On the plus side, to stave off the Rona mania, I threw my hat in with some vegetable growing nonsense on Facebook. I got a message that another hat thrower would be in touch with me to chat about what we needed to do regarding vegetables. Um... The motherfucker only went and phoned me like it's the 90s. I hate people phoning. It's so unnecessary. Anyway, she is now my best friend, Marsha, my new best friend, Marsha. And I still call her that two years on. And I'm being made godless mother to her beautiful daughter, who is six months old. And she says, um, uh, Emma adds, pointedly, none of my original social circle asked me to be a godparent to any of their offspring. Uh, Emma says, I do not make friends lightly, and Marsha is my first new person in probably five years. So fucking odd that an entire physically divisive event brought some people together. Ah, and Marsha, or Emma adds, oh, and I found your podcast, which sat on my hammock with me and kept me sane. Oh, that makes me so happy. Thank you, Emma. That is so cool. And I, I really dig that story. It sounds like Emma didn't have a crazy blow up with anybody. She just got really annoyed with these people. And one of them obviously is quite ill with addiction and Emma realized she couldn't fix that so she started focusing on something she could do and enjoy which was growing veggies Facebook the site of so much awfulness turns out has some good things to it and she ended up making a wonderful new friend there okay here is something from uh from Tyrone let's see Tyrone says My wife and our two kids locked ourselves in our house on March 10th, 2020, and didn't really emerge again until May of 2021. Now, almost a year past that, we're back to spending most of our time inside. Our time with each other and our kids has been time we will cherish forever, despite it happening during unbearable suffering in almost every direction you looked. I lost my grandparents to the pandemic and couldn't attend either of their funerals because I have a family full of dingbats who refuse to mask up. We've had to put off seeing other family members during holidays and birthdays, not knowing if we would ever really see them again. Our story is not unique, but it is bonkers to me, thinking back to all that. Yeah, as an aside, isn't that bonkers? Like, did we live through this? Did that really happen? Is this, that shit happened, right? And it's still happening? Okay, yeah. People close to us dying all the time and we can't see our friends and hug them and tell them we're so sorry for their loss and cry with each other. How did any of us get through that? Lord. But in all that darkness, I found one of those shining lights that you see in movies when the hero is going through a dark forest looking for some manner of sacred talisman that will aid her on her journey. It pokes through the trees and the pollen and fog of the surrounding woods is floating through as it shines down on a single spot that is exactly what they've been looking for. That was me when I found the online community where I've spent the past two years. 
I've formed friendships with people from all over the world, and I know more about them than many of my real-life friends. We've been making jokes and voice chatting, watching movies together, and even have real-life meetups that were planned and safely executed. In the few years that tried so, so, so hard to divide us all, a lot of us were able to find some form of solace, safety, and sanity in these online communities, and I am personally so grateful for that. It's a little funny. My real-life friendships are mostly text-based now with people I don't really plan to make plans with, and the feeling is almost always mutual, but on the other side of the coin, we're strategically working out how we can turn our text-based friends into real-life friends once this madness gets a bit more easy to navigate whenever that will be. Fascinating. Thinking of the people with whom I communicate the most, um... And I would say that three of them are people, one of them is, is somebody who I met for the first time during the pandemic uh, through the other two. And those other two I became much closer with during the pandemic, although our, our friendships did predate the pandemic. Um, and that's really special. <laughs> I feel really lucky. And then there are certainly so many people I've, I've met through the sobriety world um, because of really diving in, even though I was, I was sober before the pandemic, but really sort of diving into some communities um, during that time. Thank you, Zoom. Here's one from Jose. Jose currently has COVID. I'm sorry, Jose, I hope you heal soon. Jose writes, I live in Europe where our small community of maybe a dozen expats has been sharply divided by the vax anti-vax issue. We realized that our activity-based friendships didn't go as deep as our values and that our friends in yoga and alternative health were basically in search of a cult. I'm so sorry. That's been the experience of a lot of us. And, and Ben Lee, the, who has been a, a guest on this podcast, the musician, Ben Lee, super funny, Aussie, American um, uh, living in LA spent a, a good deal of the pandemic um, thus far in Australia with his wife Ioni Skyly and their daughter, but is um, has been back in the states for for a bit now. Uh, got really you know sort of vocal about con spirituality and the creepy bullshit of the essential oil people, including DoTerra people, and. Um, plenty of others and really is the person who recommended the who I first saw recommending the conspirituality podcast which I think has been extraordinarily helpful and I would I would check that out now here's Rivka uh, my good friend this is a nice story my good friend is a healthcare worker she works for a big hospital system in the lab that runs COVID tests among other tests I have an immunodeficiency and she was so worried about me early in the pandemic when she was seeing so much death and I was afraid to go out it was hard to get groceries delivered during the first few months of the pandemic. She was working crazy hours, six days a week, but she went out of her way on her days off to buy groceries for me. She's an atheist, but before Passover, she even made special trips looking for kosher for Passover matzah for me. I would only leave my apartment late at night, and I'd drive up to her place to pick up the groceries off her porch, or she'd come to me and meet me outside. I'll never forget how much she did for me, even when she was so exhausted and at so much risk of exposure herself. That's wonderful. So here's something from Dulce. I ended a friendship during the pandemic when I realized that she was centering herself in every bad thing that happened to me. 
she felt bad that she couldn't be more present for me while I was going through my divorce because she had anxiety over what to say. She felt bad that I was always the one suggesting socially distanced hangouts. She felt bad because I was giving her plants and extra homemade pesto, etc. I decided I didn't want to make her feel bad anymore, so I just stopped contacting her. If all you can think to say to me is, sorry, I'm not a better friend, then we don't need to be friends at all. That's amazing. I mean, there are so many weird ways to, <laughs> to like, be a crappy friend. <laughs> I'm sure that I have come up with some very weird ways to be a crappy friend. And uh, Dulce's former friend definitely did. That's so bizarre. But it's just a form of making everything in everything about herself. Uh, now, here's something from Mosin. During the first year of the pandemic, I was working part-time on an independent film project with a friend of 30 years, doing a lot of archival work. I found it enjoyable, but he'd always been kind of a surly character, and plenty of people on the project did not seem happy. One day, I realized I hadn't heard from him in three days, which was unusual. I dropped him a line to check in, and he unleashed a tirade of expletives and verbal abuse about how I wasn't good at my job and how he was laying me off. It was so sudden and nasty that I genuinely didn't know how to respond— I emailed, it was nice knowing you, and just left it at that. That sounds correct. I mean, and somebody's getting verbally or, God forbid, physically abusive, like, sometimes it's just, it's not about, it's just de-escalating. So you don't, you know, you don't even need to say your piece, like, they're going off, and you're just like, okay, bye. Sometimes that's really the best thing to do, or not respond at all. Mosin adds, I had a new job coming up, so I didn't feel so bad about the loss of income, but the loss of friendship was jarring, to say the least. I ran into him a few times afterward and avoided making direct contact with him. Luckily, the pandemic came along, which ended all social situations where I'd encounter him. Oddly enough, after the breakup, I ran into a woman that I also knew in college. We are both in relationships, so it wasn't one of those, oh, we connected and now we're in love stories. But during lunch, we ended up asking each other why we never dated back in college. She told me it was because she didn't want to hang out with the friend that much. And he was my friend, so she knew he'd be around, but she couldn't stand him. So I had a better reason to test my friendship with this guy for all those years. Oh my gosh. It is embarrassing when you find out that like people have avoided hanging out with you because they didn't like somebody with whom you were associated and they just knew they were going to have to deal with that person. Like that, it's not your fault, of course. You wouldn't know that. And it is interesting also to see how some friends will treat certain friends one way. And then just absolutely flip when, you know, that's spooky to find out, to find out how different somebody is. And and also to find out when somebody has just been using you for, whether it's connections or money or your great vegetable garden or the fact that you'll give their kid a, a free ride to school or, you know, whatever it may be. It can be so bizarre. Like people, when you find out somebody's been using you, it's very odd, and I um, I tend to be of the mind where I, I don't know, I guess a lot of us, um, maybe we don't imagine anybody would use us, because we're like, well, what do I have to give? I don't have, it's not like I have zillions of dollars, or it's not like um, I've got these 
amazing career connections that are changing their life or whatever. But then you realize that you actually do have a lot to give and you actually do provide a lot. And the fact that somebody has been using you for that is so weird. And I think it's why as a lot of people get more successful, their friendships tend to change. It's not always because the successful person suddenly got famous or got a big ego. It's that I think they sometimes are forced to recognize that some folks are using them for some shit. Um, and that's interesting. I mean, I'm thinking about like, I don't, I'm thinking about like celebrity people and stuff like that, you know? Um, damn, this has been so interesting. I'm really grateful to all of you who were so generous to share your stories with me. Um, we are at over an hour mark now, so I want to wrap this up, but I do want to reiterate that if you've been listening and you have a story of your own or you have um, some comments or if you have some books you'd like to recommend, um, there's one book, let me look it up right now, that I was reading a little bit of because it was recommended online. I found it so interesting. Let me see. I think it's called Why Won't You Apologize? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So this is a book called Why Won't You Apologize? Healing Big Betrayals and Everyday Hurts by Harriet Lerner, PhD. Really interesting dive into the world of apologies. Um, and I also want to recommend another book, which can, uh, if, if only because I think that it can sometimes help us have more empathy and compassion, even if we don't want to be friends with somebody anymore, or even if they've rejected us and it really fucking hurts, um, to try and understand where that may be coming from and how they may be protecting themselves. So this is a a classic uh, called Trauma and Recovery, The Aftermath of Violence from Domestic Abuse to Political Terror, and that is by Judith Herman. And Judith Herman, MD, is somebody who worked with uh, Dr. Herbert, is that his name, Herbert Vanderkolk? Um, who wrote The Body Keeps the Score. I'm my own research department, so you can hear that in real time. Bessel van der Kolk. I don't know why I made him a Herbert, this lovely Dutch human. Um, The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. Now, books about trauma might not on the surface seem to have anything to do with the end of a friendship, but I think that not only can the loss of a friendship be a trauma, I think, and this is more to my point, that sometimes we can act out of very, very old places in our body, mind, soul, whatever. And sometimes our behavior, which seems irrational, actually makes sense in the context of of shit that we've been through. And that doesn't mean that anybody else needs to put up with the way we behave if it's inappropriate, of course, or if it's hurtful. But um, it just kind of can help somebody, I don't know, can help you understand more. I mean, I guess where, where I'm at is that like, life is too short to waste your time with friends who aren't to your taste. However, Life is also too short to to be uh, cruel. <sighs> Thank you so much for being here, everybody. I really appreciate you. This is me getting back in the saddle, figuring it out again. So I send you a lot of love. Um, may we all be compassionate. May we all be kind. May we all not take any shit. <laughs> And may we all recognize that 
happiness comes and goes, sorrow comes and goes, pleasure comes and goes, pain comes and goes, and that all we have is this very moment right now. Thank you again to the patrons. Uh, please consider joining us. It's a neat little community, patreon.com slash Casa. I love responding to questions, comments, and concerns there. And that's also where you can see the serotonin newsletter available four times a month. And if you are a patron, you will get four exclusive little audio letters, private podcast just for patrons. And you'll also get access to different things that I do, different weird creative things like um, illustrated short story I did as a collaboration with photographer Robin Von Swank. It was called Arena Was a Scorpio. And also a truly wacky short story I did as a collaboration with um, with comics artist Robert Hack called The Only Goat Girl and you know photos and cool stuff so patreon.com slash Sarah Benincasa thank you to all of you um, I greatly appreciate you and you know what you're gonna get another one of these episodes this month April 2022 and then you'll get two next month, presumably. You know, Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Um, can't tell you how grateful I am that I get to send these letters to the world and know that there are at least a few people who would like to receive them and to listen. So I appreciate you. Take good care, okay? Bye-bye. <laughs>